Welcome to the Property Management Mastermind Show with your host, Brad Larson. Brad owns one of the fastest growing property management companies in San Antonio, Texas. This podcast is for property managers by property managers. You'll hear from industry leading professionals on best practices, new ideas, success stories, and lessons learned. This is your opportunity to learn about the latest industry buzz surrounding property management, as well as tips and strategies to improve your business. Now here's your host, Brad Larson. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us here on the Property Management Mastermind podcast. Be sure to check out our website at propertymanagementmastermind.com, where you will find all of our episodes, products, and services to review to include our newly launched BizDev Mastermind offering, which is consulting services for companies looking to hire and grow using a business development manager. You can visit that site at bizdevmastermind.com. In addition, I wanted to announce the Property Management Mastermind Annual Conference going on in Las Vegas, March 234 at the Mirage Hotel in 2020. Visit the website at pmmcon.com. If you sign up for the conference and both add-on seminars, you'll get a 10% discount. I look forward to seeing you in Las Vegas. Lastly, be sure to find us on Facebook to join the conversation of over 6,000 members in the Property Management Mastermind Facebook group. Choose Seacoast Commerce Bank as your property management bank of choice. Seacoast Commerce Bank specializes in trust accounts and business banking for property managers. One of their best features is a cash analysis program where they can assist in paying your property management-related invoices. Contact Allison at 619-988-6708 to learn more. And be sure to listen to the Property Management Mastermind Podcast, episode number 26, about Seacoast Commerce Bank. Are you tired of chasing tenants to comply with having renter's insurance? Insurance Management Group can solve this problem with a master tenant's insurance policy. Keep tenants in compliance with your lease agreement and help protect all parties involved. A master tenant's insurance policy can also add an additional revenue stream to your business. Contact Derek Scott at 918-728-8992 or visit imgadvisors.com. To learn more, listen to the Property Management Mastermind Show podcast, episode number 36. And welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Property Manager Mastermind Show. I'm your host, Brad Larson. And today's guest, I have Paul Rush. And Paul is a property management company owner out of Augusta, Georgia. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to kind of do a throwback old school mastermind session between Paul and I, because this is really where the mastermind show started. The, the concept of the mastermind is Paul and I've met a couple of times before at conferences. Uh, I know him, you know, he knows me. And today we just decided to jump onto a, a podcast and a Facebook live to show kind of how that works. So, you know, we met at several conferences before. And so the way kind of we started the mastermind group, the mastermind format, is you meet somebody, you, you know, it's kind of a, oh, that's interesting what you're doing. You know, let's have a phone call or some sort of session. Or let's, let's form a small group and get together and talk about, you know, property management. And so this is what we're going to do today. I mean, Paul and I are going to have a good mastermind session talking about just property management. And so I got a couple of things we want to kick around. He's got a couple of things he wants to kick around. And I think it's just going to be a neat episode because it really is one property management company owner to another. Okay, that's the premise. So, uh, you, you know, Paul's going to be giving us a perspective of real world, what's going down right now uh, in his market and kind of talk us through. So, Paul, I want to give you a couple of minutes to introduce yourself and we'll take it from there. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Brad. So, uh, as you said, my name is Paul Rush. I'm from Augusta, Georgia, and the name of my business is Augusta Rental Homes. 
we manage uh, single family and multifamily, some multifamily houses in Augusta. Um, I have been in the property management business for about four and a half years and probably very serious about it in the last three years. And so I got into real estate because I actually wanted to flip houses. I never wanted to manage rental houses, but then things happened and I ended up with some rental property and uh, grew from there and needed to hire employees and uh, realized it could be a great revenue source to manage properties for other people too. And so you have a baby face. Tell me how old you are. I am 30 years old. 30 years old. So I love it. So you are the burgeoning, up and coming, rising star, young generation of the property management world. And I love that fact. So let's kick this around. You started roughly 24, 25. Am I right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's good stuff because that's that's what we need to see. We always need to see the younger generation coming up, uh, taking on the good examples of what the previous and, and prior generations have done. I did the same thing. I still look at a lot of my mentors, Todd Breen, Kevin Knight, uh, you know, Brian Birdie, guys like that that have been around the business. And I look at them as mentors. Uh, then you have, um, you know, other international mentors like Bob Walters. I've always looked at him as a, an extreme mentor with LPMA. And so um, I'm hoping that at some point, you know, you'll be able to kind of find a mentor and kind of get into some stuff that will help you. And so this is where, you know, we want to kick this around because I got a couple of things I want to chat about. So we're doing the mastermind session, you know, like you and I are getting on a phone call, let's say, and we're talking about this, that, and the other. And so, I, you know, one of the things you mentioned the other day I wanted to talk about was you talked about an owner first philosophy. And in the owner first philosophy, you really dove pretty deep into this. And I want to give you a few minutes to kind of talk about that and, re- and paraphrase it. So please uh, hit me up with that. Sure. So when I first started my property management business, uh, it was to manage the properties that I owned. Um, basically, I needed to hire a person and create a face or a company that all my tenants were going to pay rent to. And so uh, for the first two years, I only managed properties that I either owned by myself or uh, had owned with partners. And so the company was basically just there to service me as the owner uh, make sure that we collected rent, make sure that we take care of maintenance stuff, but it wasn't there as a business to be profitable or to uh, really be anything other than just help pull out. And so that worked for a while, but then what I realized is, hey, this is a business. I started having more employees and um, I needed to treat it like a business. And so that means, you know, we need to be profitable. We need to be healthy. We need to succeed. But I, because I was still the owner, was concerned on the number side of it on that end too. And so we, you know, developed a few fees that we were going to charge the owner and then actually implemented a lot of cool fees that we charged towards the tenant um, that helped us out as a company to then generate enough revenue and be a healthy, successful business. I think that's a good philosophy to have the owner first philosophy because uh you know, a lot of times we can talk about fees for the tenants, for the owners, for the vendors, for uh, whomever, but really we have to be able to attract business. You and I as property manager company owners, we have to go out and earn new business. And so as part of, you know, for example, with our BizDev Mastermind program, uh, we're teaching property management company owners to devise a system to where they are very attractive to their clients and their clients are property owners because that's who you want, right? That's who we want. We all want property owners. The tenants, we want to take care of them. We want to do a good service. We want to provide a, you know, excellent service for them. 
But at the end of the day, our clients are still going to be our property owners. And so it's lip service, right? You're talking about let's let's develop an owner philosophy, right? An owner first philosophy. Well, it's kind of lip service. Let's let's dig into that because I I firmly believe in that. So I'm going to throw an example at you. So we do a, a no security deposit option in RentWorks. And oh. so in doing this, we first wanted to take care of the owner. So we offered a, a free security deposit guarantee. So we basically say to the owners in writing, in our management agreements, we're going to guarantee up to the common and customary security deposit that your tenant that comes in, if they abide by the program of the preferred tenant program and they qualify and they accept it and they do the lease agreement, that we will guarantee up to that regular common and customary security deposit. So we feel we're lowering the barrier of entry for tenants to come into the market to rent our homes, but then also we're making the owners extremely whole and making them feel good. So it's really a win-win for both sides, win for the tenant, win for the owners. And I just mentioned that just to kind of start it off as an illustration point to what an owner first philosophy is. Now, yours might be different, okay, but I just want to maybe kind of kick that off. So tell me kind of a little bit further, give me an example of what you would call an owner first philosophy. Well, so maybe along the same lines would be like tenant placement. So, um, you know, talking with the different people who've done leasing over time, uh, a lot of them are just motivated. Hey, let's get this rented. Let's get the tenant in, uh, be done with that. And then we got to move on to the next one, get that uh, rented. And so I can speak from personal experience of, hey, you know, back in the day when I did leasing and I was excited to get things rented and we, you know, had somebody that didn't quite meet our qualifications or didn't feel quite good about them. And then here's what happened six months down the road. They didn't pay rent and we had to kick them out. And, and because I owned that property, okay, here's what it looked like. Guys, we lost rent. We had to pay for court costs. We had to then turn the unit. And, you know, if you think about it, now the leasing person or whoever I'm sitting down with and explaining that to them, they're sitting face to face now with the owner of the property and they kind of see, huh, okay, that, you know, is something they've never thought about before. And uh, we try as much as possible to bring a lot of those real world, uh, here's how the owner feels about this. Um, same with like, you know, when the really tough uh, plumbing things that are $3,000 to clean out a sewer line or something like that, that hurts. And, uh, you know, the we we want to take care of the maintenance problems as quick as possible make sure the tenant's happy um, but there's a lot of damage control and uh communication that has to go on with the owner and um it's it's not always easy but like you said that's the most important part we got to keep the owner happy because if we lose the owner we're going to lose the tenant as well yeah in designing that owner first philosophy too on the business development side you have to take a look at what the leasing fees are because mm -hmm. Owners look at you, investors look at you and say, what is your motivation, Paul? What is your motivation to keep this home leased? If this tenant leaves, you're going to charge me a giant leasing fee. So it's a win for you, Paul, right? If the tenant does not stay. So where's your motivation in getting the tenant to renew? And so what we've done and a lot of folks have done is you try to you know, keep the renewals. Um, you know, we want to charge a renewal fee. We want to make a commission to the to the for the portfolio managers or for the company. So we financially put it to where, look, Mr. Owner, it's better for the management company. It's better for you, the owner, if we get a renewal. And here's why. You know, if you if you say, yeah, we're going to make $10,000 for every rollover because we charge a $10,000 leasing fee, which is, I know it's crazy, but, and then versus a small renewal fee, 
owners start to look at, well, why are you even, you know, you're, you're more concerned with getting the leasing fees, right? You want those rollovers versus the renewals. Any comments yeah. on that? Yeah, well, so two comments. Um, so our front end on the leasing fee, we actually just charge a fairly low flat leasing fee. Uh, which is, again, favorable to the owner. Uh, how we feel about that is, hey, your properties have been vacant for a month, maybe longer. They've been paying things, no rent coming in. For me as the owner, it kind of hurts a little bit if a property management company sticks you with that big leasing fee. Right when the owner's about to make money, oh, wait, let's get a little bit, one more fee from them. So we, we've implemented just a flat uh, $300 leasing. Um, and then on the renewals, so what we've done there is uh, we kind of charge a renewal fee and then also do some inspections and HVAC service. So every time we do a renewal, we're getting a fee for that, but then we're also providing the owner with a property inspection report and also a clean bill of health on their HVAC unit. And so it generates a fee and then it also generates a little bit of maintenance revenue and income as well. So I think that's something we actually just started that uh, a few months ago and that has been received very well. Yeah, another point to bring out there is that you have to remind the owners that you just made them twelve, fifteen, twenty-four thousand dollars. You know, whatever the math is. So if you have a two thousand dollar home, right, or a fifteen hundred dollar home, whatever you want to talk, let's call it fifteen hundred, and you just got a twelve month renewal. I know, Mister Owner, I'm charging you a leasing fee. Yes, it's a small little leasing fee. However, comma, we just guaranteed you eighteen thousand dollars in revenue, yep. or fifteen hundred times twelve is eighteen thousand dollars. So. Uh, you know, owners don't look at it like that. They're like, they're, they're trying to just, and this is where you have to understand their philosophy. They're trying to also rent their mortgage, right? I heard this term at a conference sometime before and uh, somebody said, you know, look, man, I can't rent your mortgage, right? So whatever your mortgage is, that's, that's between you and, you know, the bank. But I'm here to try and generate the revenue that I can for you. So if I can get you that $18,000 in one year and your outflow is 17500 and some dollars, well, that's, that's on you. You know, that's, that's on you investor. I'm trying to do the best I can for you. So that's kind of a way to potentially justify it. I know it's not the greatest argument, you know, you know what I'm saying, but it is a way to go there. Uh, give me another example of an owner first philosophy that you may have had. Well, so um, I, I'll share this piece of information with you too. So three of my other employees actually own rental property as well. Uh, we manage it through the company. And so uh, anywhere from my director of operations all the way down to my maintenance guy, they have some experience owning rental property. And so um, owner first, meaning those, my employees realize they get the owner draws the same time of month that all the other owners get. They get the same reports. They get the same treatment as the other uh, outside owners. Um, and so, you know, we couldn't just come up with some fee. Hey, we're going to triple our leasing fees and we're going to change all this stuff because it does actually have a huge direct impact to our employees. And so uh, I'm pretty proud. And I think it stands out a lot for us that uh, we've got several employees that we manage the properties for. They're part of the whole uh, Augusta Rental Homes team, but then the Augusta Rental Homes owner side of it too. And so I think that's huge. And that should always be at the forefront of any conversation you have with a business, uh, excuse me, with a, with, a, with a property owner on the business development side. You need to tell them over and over and over. So look, we manage the properties that we own inside of our company. So we're not only telling you what we do, but we also succumb and, and submit and agree to what we do. 
So, you know, you say, was your meeting with them, Paul, if you're the guy doing the business development, you're meeting with the owners, that story right there is something that you need to potentially even have uh, at the forefront. Okay. That could be almost a flyer that says, look, this is my director of operations. This is my maintenance guy. We manage properties for them inside of our own company. So we're property owners ourselves. So we're telling you we're eating our own pudding or you know whatever the saying is, eating your own cooking. And um, I think that's pretty strong biz dev stuff you want to hone in on. I mean, it's just, just a comment from the peanut gallery there. but Yeah, no, I agree. Um, no, that means a lot. I mean, even when the maintenance guy has a maintenance request, he still gets billed the same. He doesn't go do his maintenance you know, after hours or something on his properties, we're still charging him the same as we would any other owner. And that, uh, I think, speaks loudly of how we feel about our fees and structure of everything. Good stuff. All right. So in the spirit of the mastermind call, I want to get into some red meat because okay. if I were to call you, you were to call me and we're all of a sudden going to have a good conversation about our businesses. It could be 15 minutes. It could be five hours. You just never quite know until you start digging. But I want to kind of hear, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal this from Pete Newbig. Pete Newbig and I always jump on calls and and he always asked me, what are your challenges? You know, I, very, very poignant like that. What are your challenges, Brad? And I'm like, well, man, I have a lot of challenges. You know what I'm saying? It's, uh, I'm just giving you a hard time, but let's ask you that, Paul. So are you ready for this? What are your challenges right now in the business? Yeah. Okay. So put me on the spot a little bit. Um, so two challenges I'm kind of working through right now. Um, we just acquired a property management firm. And so uh, we brought on a lot of new owners, uh, new properties at the same time, and we actually brought up on some of the employees as well. So on the employee side, I am trying to get those people to understand our systems, our routines, kind of the whole um, Augusta Rental Homes philosophy. They're buying into it very well. Uh, it's just a lot of uh, change for them and a little bit of uh, extra time that I'm spending with them. And then on the other side is the owners. is. Um, probably a mistake that we made was not reaching out and communicating with some of the owners uh, soon enough. And so there was some uh, rumor mill type stuff where the owners had heard that the company had sold and they were unclear about what was going on and who the new owner was. And so uh, we are, we've kind of, I think, gone through the worst part of it, but there's, uh, still a few challenges with the current owners uh, being comfortable with who we are and with some of the changes. Owners do not like change. Lots of questions here. So let's stop there on the challenge side. We'll get to the second one after this, because this is a whole, you know, we want to dive deep into this one. So you acquired a property management firm. So can you kind of disclose at least what size, how many units roughly? Sure. It was, it was 85 units. Okay. Um, you, did you take over the unit or take over the, the contracts as a, as a, you bought the whole company or did you just take over like an assignment of the contracts or did you just kind of have a meet and greet referral system? How did the, the, the handover work? It was basically an asset purchase of the contracts. Um, I actually bought his office building as well. So for me on the real estate owner side, um, but we purchased his contracts, his, you know, basically his whole office and then uh, had an agreement to employ his uh, employees for a while as well. So this is fascinating. So this is awesome stuff to talk about. This is why I love the mastermind format. So I've got questions about the commercial purchase building. You know, I've, I've not yet purchased a commercial building. I mean, that's one of the things on the list is to purchase my own office, you know, purchase a commercial building. So I mean, I could go down that rabbit hole, ask all kinds of questions, but then let's get back to taking over the property management company that you acquired. 
So you did an asset acquisition. Did I say that correctly? Yeah, asset purchase, I think, is what the attorneys called it. Okay. Asset purchase. Now, how many employees did you decide to retain from that company? Uh, two office staff and one maintenance person. How did that integration go with you bringing them into your system? So, <laughs> uh, some of it was good, some of it was difficult. So, one of the opportunities with this business was is they were very old school. They were using QuickBooks uh, to collect rent. Um, they were kind of behind the times on the technology stuff. So there was uh, a little bit of extra time that was taken to onboard the employees with here's the you know software that we use. Here's kind of how things work. Uh, you know, they didn't, none of their tenants were able to pay online. So we had those employees reach out to all the tenants and try to explain the paying online, get those tenants signed up. Um, there was just a lot of new technology that was introduced and, uh, it took, you know, two weeks maybe of spending time and practicing and uh, getting them up to speed where everybody else is on using the software. You know, Nick Cook and I did a podcast a while ago and he was uh, getting into acquiring a company and he broke it down so detailed to where I believe it was close to roughly hour and 15 to hour and a half time it took him to integrate every single home that they brought into uh, their system. So maybe that's somewhat gauging accurately with all the phone calls and follow-up uh would, would you say uh, a couple hours is, is, is a fair rounding yeah so well putting the stuff in the computer was kind of quick i had me and another person did it we got a good system down that was quick but again where i made the mistake was underestimating the owner side of it we're uh communicating with them and so we actually ended up talking with a lot of the owners on the phone because they either called the office or us reaching out to them. And I mean, some of these owners, we were on the phone 20 or 30 minutes and uh, those are, that's tough. Mm -hmm. uh, and, but again, you know, they were nervous and uh, you know, some of the owners owned multiple properties and it felt like it was a good, good use of our time, but I totally was not planning on that. So me and another person, it took a week just communicating with these people. So, so did rumor mill overshadow the opportunity you had to do a nice formal introduction? I mean, did that kind of did did leak out to where they're calling you and blindsiding you before the deal was done and before you had an opportunity to introduce yourself? Some owners, yes. So um, we, the owner of the company was older and he's retiring is kind of the is the true story behind it. And that was the kind of announcement that we were planning on making. Um, my mistake was, you know, there was, we closed on a Friday, then I waited till next week and we didn't finalize the draft of the letter and then it kind of drug out. And so, oh, and by the way, it was the first of the month. So then the tenants found out that they had to pay rent to a different company. And so, you know, I didn't think through a lot of things. And then by the time we sent out the letter, then it takes a few more days in the mail. I mean, we almost probably shouldn't have even sent out letters at that point. But um, the mistake was that we should have sent something out or planned it to time with the closing and with before the rent payments and those kind of things. No, that's, uh, that's good. That's good feedback. I mean, I like the fact that you can own up to making a mistake. Okay. We all make mistakes. So the lesson learned for the folks out there is to get ahead of this. Like if yes. we have not acquired a company like that, I mean, a couple of the things that we've, uh, you know, integrated into RentWorks here, uh, we basically had, you know, a 25 unit where they just kind of did new contracts and we had paid referral fees. And another one was a smaller 10, 12 units. 
So we've never actually gone out and bought a company. Now there's there's acquisition ec- experts out there. You know, a guy like uh, Matt Whitaker. You know, he's he's very good at doing this this type of thing, and they almost have it down to a format. But for a lot of us, and this is this is part of what I always talk to people about, especially that we're doing at the Property Manager Mastermind Conference, is Matt Whitaker is p- putting on a presentation to kind of to the effect of what happens when an acquisition falls in your lap. Now, maybe this was planned. Maybe you were out scouting the world and you were sending out a thousand text messages a day to other local property management company owners trying to get an acquisition deal working. Or maybe the guy just walked up to you at a NARPM event and said, hey, dude, you want to buy my company? I'm getting ready to retire. Don't know the details of that, but let's, let's talk through this a little bit further. Is making the mistakes of not getting out in front of it with the communication is, is understandable. I mean, especially if you're, okay, we're closing. All right, let's deal. The, the, the ink's barely dry. And so now... Uh, we need to communicate and introduce ourselves. Question I have for you is, was the owner helping? You know, the former previous company, property management company owner, was he helping this as far as trying to introduce all of his owners to a positive way to you? I mean, kind of what was the, the situation there? Yeah. So he he's 100% on board. We have had a relationship for five years. Uh, he was the one that made me feel comfortable with being a landlord and property management. So he, you know, 100% have his endorsement. He would say great things about me. He did say great things to a lot of the owners. And again, that was kind of, we had drafted a letter saying we were announcing his retirement, that he had, you know, hand chosen uh, Augusta Rental Homes to take on his legacy of property management and, uh, you know, really well written and kind of planned out, but poorly timed. And so he had communicated with some owners personally that he knew that this was going to happen. But then, you know, there's other owners that he just didn't have time to talk to or get a hold of. And, uh, and I mean, just the fact that some owners were, Hey, calling the office, seeing what was going on. And, uh, the old employees answered the phone with Augusta rental homes instead of the, uh, the previous company name. And I mean, just unexpected things. I mean, we had it planned out where the phone, we had set up the phone systems. We had forwarded the number. We had, I mean, done everything on the back end, but probably didn't think of the user end of it. So the nightmare scenario is they beat you to the punch. That's, that's the worst thing that could happen. And I'm not picking on you, man. I would, you know, I'm not perfect either, but yeah, that's the one thing you want to prevent uh, is that. So I would also, I mean, no, I'm not perfect. You know, I'm just going to say this. Maybe if anyone's in that situation, get into maybe a side-by-side video, right? Where you bring in the owner and you're sitting next to each other and you know, you're hugging and you're kissing and whatever and say, hey, you know, proud to announce that Paul's taking over our company. He's going to really, you know, do great for you guys. Kind of the, like the like a personal introduction. The, what I've seen in the past is the outgoing owners of the property management company would introduce the incoming new owners and say, hey, this, this is Augusta, you know, PM company. This is Paul. He's going to be taking care of y'all. Uh, this is how it's going to work. Nothing's going to change. You know, everything's going to be fine. And then, uh, just kind of the warm intro, right? Everybody talked about the warm intro there. So yeah. interesting. So that's that's a lot of that's a lot to talk about. That that's why I love getting on these because I didn't know that about you, Paul. And I think that's really fascinating stuff, dude. I'm I'm so proud of you. That you got to do that. Yeah. Uh, how did that acquisition fall in your lap? Let me go back to that. So okay, so like I said, this guy he's an older. He's eighty. I think he's 81 and he's been doing property management since uh, it says 1967 on a sign in front of his office building. So, and I had met him five or six years back through an attorney. I said, Hey, I want to meet somebody that's, 
in property management, they can teach me something. And um, I actually was introduced to him and I said, hey, can I come work in your office for free for a few weeks and learn the business? And so he loved that. And I learned a lot from that and then went on and applied that to my business after that. And uh, we just remained friends. He's helped me out on other uh, business deals since then. And I was sitting in his office one day talking about something else. And he said someone had approached him about buying his business. And you know, me trying to be quick to react was, well, hang on. Would I have the opportunity to talk to you about buying your business? And um, he, he was so excited to hear me say that because um, as we got further into the deal, things that he was worried about was that he was going to sell the business to the right person, somebody that he knew and was familiar with. Uh, he was concerned about his employees and he was concerned about his owners. And the person that had reached out to him was just somebody off the street that he didn't know. And uh, fortunately, you know, I thought to ask that. And I think um, it was a great opportunity and great timing for us to work it out. And from that conversation, we probably, you know, we had a ton of conversations since then, but closed two, two and a half months after that first conversation. So it all happened pretty quickly, uh, which maybe was a good thing, maybe wasn't now looking back, but um, it just kind of just happened. I wasn't necessarily out looking to buy his business. I'd kind of in the back of my head thought that, that could be an opportunity at one point, but uh, didn't think that it was going to be at that point. Keep your ears open and always tell people what you want. Yeah, I want to buy a business. Yep. The great point there is it's just it, it fell in your lap one way or the other. I mean, you weren't out looking for it. You know, you're not you're not trying to roll up a thousand home, you know, a thousand companies into one company and you're you're that was great. I mean, that's exactly what I'm having Matt Whitaker talk about at the Mastermind Conferences. And he's also giving us a deliverable, by the way. So when you attend the conference, I'm hoping you do, you'll have a playbook. So yeah. Matt's putting out a playbook for an acquisition falling in your lap, like step one, step two, step three. I mean, all those steps. Now you've learned through doing it, which I really admire. But I also think anybody, the seasoned veteran who's done a hundred of these to you know, the, the rookie who's never done any, they're going to benefit from something like that because they're going to pick up something in the, along those lines. Brian Hughes here with the BizDev Mastermind. Very excited to announce the official dates and location for the one-day BizDev Mastermind seminar. By attending the one-day BizDev Mastermind seminar, you'll be learning actionable strategies that you can apply into your property management company. This isn't theory to think about. You won't be sitting in the crowd just listening. These are strategies you can implement today. This is a working seminar. We teach, you do. Who's teaching you at the seminar? Scott Brady, Brad Larson, Patrick Garrett, and myself, Brian Hughes, to name a few. Mark your calendars, January 20th and 21st at the Marriott Airport, Atlanta. Fly into Atlanta and you're there. The ticket price is only $555. And if you buy two, we'll knock that down to a flat 1,000 even. Get your ticket today. Space is limited. Go to bizdevmastermind.com slash one day seminar. That's bizdevmastermind.com slash one day seminar. We will see you there. Okay. So I want to move on to the uh, other challenge. You said two, you got into the acquisition game and I cut you off and I had to go right down that rabbit hole, really dig in deep in there. Cause I love that stuff. That's great. That's a great story. Uh, I really hope that works out for you. It sounds like you're doing great with it. What, what were the other challenge you had mentioned earlier? So I think the other challenge I said was uh, the new employees, getting them used to our systems, our way of doing business, uh, bringing them up to speed on the software. Um, something I didn't mention was is they were 
they knew that I was purchasing the business before the closing, but then uh, they were maybe unclear about what was going on. And then also my current employees were unclear about, okay, we're bringing on new people. There's, you know, of course, all my people think that, okay, we can handle it all. We don't need new help and all that kind of stuff, but uh, which good for them for thinking that, but we did need more people. And so uh, one of my challenges was addressing the concern and uncertainty that everybody had as soon as we closed, who's going to be doing what. And uh, I just, we sat everybody down and uh, I passed around sheets of paper that had everybody's roles and responsibilities on it. And I went around the table and said, okay, each person has got to read them out loud and we're going to talk about what everybody's doing. And some people have to realize that they're giving up some roles and responsibilities and some people are taking on new ones, but this is how it's going to work. I like and, uh, that you made him read the roles and responsibilities out loud in front of the group. Uh, I'm also assuming you probably had some good one-on-ones with them, you know, to kind of make sure they were okay yeah. with everything and make sure they had their jobs and make sure, you know, everything is going to be fine. And I mean, how'd that, how, how did that work out? So like the, um, one-on-one. two office staff that we took on from the other company, I mean, they're, they were probably the most nervous, right. That, uh, you know, Hey, the owner's selling out and are we going to have a job? And, uh, and I understand that. So I, I, you know, I sat both of them down. I actually said, um, I want you to know that you do have a job with Augusta Rental Homes, but I also want to know, will you come work with Augusta Rental Homes Uh, and kind of give them the option to say, uh, you know, we want you, but uh, let them feel like they're a little bit in control of the situation too. Um, Because for sure, I, I felt like they, felt like things were out of control for a second. There was a lot of transition of uh, all the documents and stuff, and they didn't want to get left behind or uh, things like that. So uh, the details of that, were you presenting like a written employment agreement to them at that time? Not at that time. I mean, we just sat down and had like a, you know, a conversation two of us were sitting in the chairs and like face to face. Hey, I want you to come work with me. Will you do that? And, uh, the paperwork thing might have been a better idea, but it was mostly to address the their concern. Um, yeah. yeah, and I, I didn't think they were going to say no or anything like that either. And There's no perfect way to do that either. I mean, if you want to seem like a corporate giant, like your AT and T or somebody like that, well, okay, here's your written employment agreement that's four pages long, eight pages long, uh, in addition to having a conversation. Versus you can just have a you know one on one, face to face, real person to person conversation. We want you to come work with us. We'll work out the details. You're going to be paid kind of what you were paid before or a little bit more. Uh, you know, that's, that's the kind of stuff that works itself out, but it also has to be done in steps, you know, so you don't get ahead of yourself and get behind. Uh, on the new employee side, so a lot of people might be screaming, well, how did you train them? What did you do to train these folks? Because you basically brought them in with basically going from what, you know, stubby pencil to software, right? So yeah. how did you do training? Um, so we spent a lot of time together and, um, first it started out with, okay, new employees, these two office employees, you know, they were only managing 85 units. So they were literally doing all of it. And so they had to realize that they were going to be giving up uh, a decent amount of their responsibilities so that they could just focus on less responsibilities, but be very good at them. And so training wise, what I did was we, um, came up to my office, which is a different location than where our property management business is, and uh, sat down at my desk and at my computer and 
you know, spent hours. Here's how you do this. Here's how you do that. And um, it was great because there was no distractions. And I was able to spend, you know, 100% one-on-one time with these new employees and just work through how we're going to do things. And we, we have systems manuals written out, but we actually kind of took out a lot of the pages and worked through it together. Like here's a blank page on how we're going to do move outs and, and worked with it together instead of just here's a five page document on how you do move outs, go figure it out. Um, and it went well, uh, it, it was a big time commitment. And, uh, you know, if you were to bring on more, more than just two office employees, that might not scale very well, but, yeah, the um, scalability of it. So the only thing I would add, not for necessarily you or I, but if somebody is looking to, uh, have a bit more continuity in their business, maybe look into the CRMC checklist, the Certified Residential Management Company checklist for, through NARPM, because that will tell you to go get an employee book for, you know, leasing, go get an employee book for maintenance, go get, I yeah. mean, it tells you all these steps to do. Curious about the software. So they went from QuickBooks managing rental properties to what do you use currently at, at your business? So we use Buildium and they had QuickBooks that they had like modified to their uh property management needs. Um, and so we use Buildium. Um, big changes were like, again, none of their tenants paid online. Uh, we text message tenants through Buildium. So the new, one of the new people's jobs was to go get all the tenants to sign up for text messaging. Uh, we you know email them. We do uh, online tenant portals and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, it was really neat how <laughs> I think the tenants were honestly grateful that the technology that we were finally able to bring to it. And uh, the owner, he told me, we were talking about online payments. He said, I don't think any of my tenants are going to pay online. And I, I told him, <laughs> we got everybody signed up. And uh, before the first of the month, when we took taken over 12 of the tenants had already paid online. So he, uh, he was very impressed about that kind of stuff. But um the change in technology, I mean, it was, it was needed in his business. I mean, even the, even the phone system and other kind of basic things in the office were behind the times. Mm -hmm. All right. So let me shift gears. Here. That's a, that's great stuff. Let me talk to you about uh, what's the best thing that you've implemented here in the last 12 to 24 months. And we talked about doing three, but you know, for time's sake, give me one good giant number one blanket, you know, shining star that has been, Fantastic for your last year or two. Yeah. So I would say from the operation standpoint, we have started doing self-access viewings. Um, that has helped us out tremendously because uh, unfortunately, we've had a little bit of turnover in the uh, leasing side. We just have one leasing person and uh, had a little bit of turnover. And one of them just one of the timing happened to be like right before springtime when leasing season was going to be really busy. And uh, we were trying to hire somebody, but still rent houses. And so that was what forced us to go to the self-access showings. And um, we maybe struggled with it a little bit, but I think have developed a really cool system for that. And uh, I actually just hired a leasing person probably six months ago, who's the first leasing person that only does self-access viewings. He does not show houses in person. And that has... Uh, leveraged his time a lot. And also, I think on our end, made the leasing process a whole lot more consistent. What uh, vendor did you choose to do the self-access? We use Tenant Turner. 
Um, and they integrate directly with Buildium is one of the reasons why we chose them. We use Tenant Turner as well. I think they're all really good. It just depends on the scenario that you're in. I would recommend to, and when I say all, I mean, I'll drop all three names, Tenant Turner, Show Mojo, Rentley. And there might be one other that I don't know about, but uh, those are the big three typically we're seeing in the space. And I think they're all really good. I think it just depends on what fits you the best. It's like software, you know, a folio property where Buildium, Yardi, I mean, Rent Manager, I mean, probably forgetting four or five, but it just depends on your scenario. So I'm going to jump in and add some stuff on that because I went to the IMN conference, which was in Atlanta uh, just earlier this month in September. And there were, I got, you know, three, four good bullet points out of that. It's an interesting conference where they just do panels. And so you got to pay attention to get the golden nuggets, you know, because it, yeah. it slides by you pretty quick. There's no slides. There's no, uh, but, you know, overall, I did get a couple of things on this particular topic. So one, this is, this is RentWorks challenge. This is one of our challenges. And I've had this conversation with a couple others like Amy Carnes and, and uh, Rich Drake. You know, I've been kicking this around with them. Tim Melton is our challenge now is we're getting a lot of co-brokering and we have 85% co-brokering. Only 15% are doing the, 15% of our lease agreements are being executed through the self-assisted unaccompanied vacant home showing to methods, right? We've shown over 1600 times this year with, you know, vacant unaccompanied assisted home showings. So our concept, this might be an idea because I'm stealing this from somebody at the IMN conference was uh, allow them to give them some sort of incentive. We have to figure out a way to potentially incentivize the applicants to want to do self-assisted showings. Now, this is my problem. This may not be your problem. It yeah. might be a lot of folks in the, in the other out there are saying 85% of our tenants want to do self-assisted showings versus us, it's 15% want to do self-assisted showings. So it could be flipped for you. But we're trying to figure out a way to incentivize the applicant tenants to want to do self-assisted showings. So we're considering waiving a lease preparation fee. Now, in doing that, it creates a weirdness because you're basically telling the tenant, I'm going to incentivize you to not work with a realtor, right? If you don't work with an agent, we're, we're incentivizing you. So there's some weirdness going on there. You could, you could make that argument. That's, a, that's kind of a shooting yourself in the foot type thing with the realtor community. But really, all we want is honesty. That's all we really want, okay? The, the realtor should be earning a commission when they open the door to show the property to that particular prospective client, prospective applicant. That's when they earn that commission. If that home is leased to that applicant, the, the realtor opened the door for them, they should earn that X commission, okay? What happens is, in reality, okay, and I'm not saying it's coming from my company. I don't think it's, it's my portfolio managers. I think it's the outside agents. They're working with these applicants. And they say, yeah, go show one of these RentWorks homes. Call in. You can do a self-assisted showing and then put my name on the application. Oh, yeah. <laughs> put my name on the application, why don't you? You know, it's just like uh, apartment leasing. You know, that's how it works with them is they, they incentivize these folks that are looking for apartments to go out and go to one, two, three apartment complexes, do the tour, drop their name, and then they get a giant commission. So I'm thinking this is, this is happening a little bit more than I'm comfortable with in this market is the, whatever company you want to name agents are talking to the soon-to-be applicants, telling them, go show, use the tenant turner. They'll all, all they ask for is a driver's license. They'll confirm you. You get a code. And then once you apply, just drop my name. All right. They never showed the property in person. That's a challenge I'm having right now. Any comments on that? Yeah. So, well, so you might be upset to hear then that we have never paid another agent a commission to rent a house. You're uh, right. 
you're my hero. Well, I want to be just like you. I don't know how to do that here, but that's awesome. Well, so that's interesting. I mean, that's, I guess, just the difference in the markets that we 100% are self-access viewings, uh, only showing vacant houses, don't have to deal with other agents. And um, I see that getting adapted pretty well around here. So maybe it just, you know, different market, you're maybe. Well, we you know, do put everything in a multiple listing service, right? Okay. That's, that's the San Antonio, Austin market. Everything goes into the MLS. So that could be a huge difference between us and you just right there. What do you think? Probably. Do your uh, listings still get then put on Zillow and other places for the regular folk to see? Yeah, they're all yeah. syndicated out with Zillow and Trulia and Hotpads and whatever 20 other million websites I'm forgetting. Uh, that's We're not even going to talk about the whole Zillow extortion thing right now. <laughs> yeah, don't get me started on that. I don't want to get you started because I know the deal uh, and I, I don't even want to go down that path, but that's an interesting concept, how you have uh, the total opposite of what we're doing. And so our challenge is to try to figure out a way to get more. Uh, our challenge, actually, to be very upfront, is to pay less in tenant realtor commissions. Because if they're not showing the homes in person, they probably didn't earn their commission. So I know we're, I'm getting screamed at right now. Well, we got to register through the centralized showing service. Yes, they do. But they can still register through the centralized showing service and then tell somebody to call in and use the tenant turner system. Right. It's, a, it's, not a, it's not a catch-all. Yeah. So I would think, though, that because how great the technology is, that that's going to get adopted more and more. So hopefully, at least over time, your fees or commissions will go down or maybe your adoption rate, you might convert from 85 to 50%. Because, um, I mean, American Homes for Rent, all the other big funds are doing it self-access too. So great. I think that's the way of the future. I, I think it's going to be... What you're seeing right now with the unaccompanied vacant home self-assisted showing method is what we're going to be seeing with the no security deposit option in another couple, three years. I think that's going to really change the single family home rental industry. Now, another one. Okay, I'm switching gears. I don't have a solution for that. All right, we're just going to put that, sure. that challenge I, I mentioned. We'll put that problem off to the side. I'm still looking at it, talking to some folks. The thing that I thought was pretty genius was uh, folks you know, this is on a panel. This is not me. I'm, you know, I don't, I'm not mentioning fees or names. I'm trying to keep neutral here. But during the application process, the applicant would have an opportunity to check a box to pay an additional small fee, right? X to something X, two figures to three figures to hold the property for two business days. So they would be the only person that could rent that property for up to two business days while you make sure their screening criteria is all met and all that good stuff. Because what happens is people want to show on a Friday evening. They want to go look at a property. They want to apply for it, but then they don't want to go home, out and look at 10 other properties Saturday and Sunday because the one they looked at and fell in love with on Friday, they just want. And right. so what they're doing is, this is from a panel again, they're paying this little small hold fee at the time of application. So here's your application fee. Here's your little small hold fee all at one time. And then uh, the hold fee is a fee. It's gone. Okay. It goes to the company. Now, some people are doing this already, right? Because they're doing an application and a security deposit at the time of app uh, application because they take the first in the door, right? The first uh, qualified in the door wins. But, you know, we're doing uh, best qualified, right? Yeah. So if we take in one or two or three applications in a weekend, we, we choose best qualified applicant. And so it's, I thought that was an interesting, uh, you know, I'd never heard of that before. And, I, and I'm a fee king. You, you got to know me. <laughs> I've never heard of that one before, and I thought that was pretty interesting. Would that relate in your market? I mean, how does it work for you? 
So I think it could be uh, used in our market because, yeah, we get, the, we get the question all the time. Hey, if I apply now, am I, has anybody else applied or am I going to get approved if I apply? So that would be a great you know, pitch for the fee. Hey, if you apply and pay this fee, you could get it as long as you meet our criteria. I like that a lot. Um, so I definitely think that it could work. And then as far as the fee thing too, I love that. I mean, that's a great profit source for the management company. Um, you know, doesn't cost the owner anything for us to do that. And it's easy for the management company to do it. I like that. Yeah. And I think it could be a win-win, win for the tenant because it gives them peace of mind that, Hey, we're going to put you first in line. We're, we're, abstaining or restraining ourselves from taking other applications in. We're just looking at yours. And as long as you get us everything we need, we can approve you and get you in. I think a lot of people, I would do that. You know, I would do yeah. that. I look at that you know, in reverse. Okay. I'm, I'm moving into San Antonio. I'm a military person. I want to go rent a property. I found one I love. I don't want to mess around and go look at five others because in case I don't qualify for this one, I know I'm going to qualify for this one. Right. A lot of the renters that we work with, they know they're going to qualify. It's not an if or, you know, if, ands or, but, I mean, 85 to 90% know they're going to qualify for the homes. And yeah. so they apply. I mean, I, I'm in a different market, different price range than some others, but uh, a lot of folks don't apply as a, as a coin toss. <laughs> sure. Well, and the market's so good right now where we are that like, you know, an employed professional military person like you're talking about, they might not be able to go look at the property until this weekend. But they tried to go look at a property last weekend and they lost out because somebody got approved because they were able to look at it during the week. Um, and that's a, yeah, when the market's great like that, you can definitely introduce more fees to the tenants or applicants. Um, I like that a lot. Interesting take. Good stuff. Well, hey, this has been fantastic. This has been an example of a mastermind. So everybody out there, if you're wondering kind of how this started and how you can participate in your own mastermind, this is just exactly it. You know, we asked a couple of questions. I got to know Paul a little bit. I talked to him about what we do. You know, what are your challenges going on right now? What are some of the best one or two things you've implemented in the last couple of years? That's a real simple mastermind format. So for anybody out there watching, listening, you can definitely jump in and do something like that with somebody you might meet. And you never know the golden nuggets you take out of it. Uh, I thought the our discussion on your acquisition was fantastic. I, I loved it. I mean, lesson learned to come out of that. I really appreciate you opening up to us. So been a fantastic episode, Paul. I'm going to go ahead and close this out. Uh, any parting words for the team out there? Keep up the good work. Uh, thanks for your time, Brad. And, uh, you know, yeah, I'm happy with my team and happy uh, that I got the chance to talk with you about this. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Hope to see you at the Property Management Mastermind Conference in March of 2020. Uh, definitely think you would be somebody to get a lot out of that. So thanks Absolutely. again for coming on, Paul. Let's stay in touch. Okay, my friend? Definitely. Thanks, Brad. Right. Take care. This show is sponsored by the best home inspection software on the market for property managers. We endorse and use Z-Inspector as our software of choice for our team to document home inspections. We particularly like their 360 degrees camera system that produces amazing views of the interior room. Your clients will love Z-Inspector documented inspections you provide them. Visit www.zinspector.com to learn more. Property Meld is made for maintenance work automation. Property Meld will work to schedule, remind, verify completion, and follow up with your residents automatically while providing the best-in-class communication system for your ease of use, your vendors, and your tenants. Begin reducing maintenance coordination time and increasing tenant satisfaction today. Learn more at propertymeld.com. 
This has been a podcast episode by propertymanagementproductions.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, leave us feedback, and come back for our next episode. 